The Carlton Ravens are good at basketball. Like, really, really good at basketball. It's hard to put their dominance into context because there's basically no comparisons in North American sport. The men's team has won 17 of the last 20 national championships, and the women's team has won two championships in the last five seasons. But on Sunday, the Carleton basketball program did something it had never done before. So that'll seal it. Warren Holtz will hold, and the Carleton University Ravens are champions again of 2023. They complete the dynasty. And that will do it. The Carleton Ravens claim their second national championship title. 71-59 over the Queens Gales. Carlton won both the men's and women's national championship in the same season. It's the first time a program has done so in nearly 40 years. So today, we'll sit down with Charlatan sports editor Jaden Dill. He traveled to Sydney, Nova Scotia to watch the women's tournament while I covered the men's tournament in Halifax. We'll chat about how the Ravens got here, we'll marvel at the significance of this season, and we'll try to figure out, once and for all, if this dynasty will ever actually end. I'm Mark Cully. It's Friday, March 17th. This is Charlatan Live. Jaden, thanks for joining us. Uh, you and I were lucky enough to witness history this weekend in Halifax for the men and Sydney for the women. But the first question I want to ask you, have you caught up on your sleep yet? <laughs> um, you know, the last two days have been a struggle with that. Uh, I think I'm almost there now. I think one more night and I should be good to go. Yeah, I've definitely been feeling it the last couple of days. And I know I didn't have as crazy a travel back from Halifax as you did from Sydney, but it's been a wild weekend for both of us. So I want to unpack with you how the women got to this point, because for the men, this is kind of expected. They've been here 17 times of the last 20 years. Now it's four championships in a row for the men's side of things. For the women, they are a program that's at the top of the country. This is their second championship in the last five seasons, but I'm curious how the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 games have gone for them, how they got to this point of winning a championship in Sydney, Nova Scotia, and making history as the first team, the first program, the first school to win both the men's and women's national championship in the same season since 1985. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, to be honest with you, Mark, it wasn't always clear that they would end up here. Um, not necessarily like, like the men's team at all. Um, I think coming... Uh, into the season, uh, they had a pretty good, you know, first half before that winter break, um, but they had picked up two losses, right? And, you know, usually if you pick up two losses there, you could probably see at least two to three losses, you know, in the second half of the season after the winter break. But coming into January, uh, <laughs> the, the women's team won 11 straight, right? 11 straight victories. And uh, in that stretch, 
uh, they had playing they had played the number one team in the nation, the Queen Scales, and held them to one point within the third quarter. Um, it's these are things that have felt like it's never been been heard of before. You know, to do that to to such a powerhouse team like like Queens, um, and then coming, uh, I would say into uh, down to to the end of the stretch of that last couple of games, I had spoke to to Danny Sinclair. Uh, and at this point, the Ravens were ranked number one in the Asian, uh, and they had ousted Queens from that spot, uh, who had held that for a majority of the season. And when I asked, you know, Sinclair, she said she doesn't even feel like her team's number one. She felt like for her, you know, she's probably, you know, she would put them around number eight. Uh, so in theory, I guess some that would get them to, you know, the U Sports Championship, but to be ranked number eight, you know, to say that uh, that you feel like your team is ranked number eight and you sports is ranked you as number one is, I guess it shows a little bit of I guess humility and and uh, on her side of that she has so much so such high expectations for her team, and I think that is what just continued to push them to push them to push them that they felt like they were number eight but wanted to be number one in their own eyes not in everyone else's eyes, um, and that just has created a drive that has sent them skyrocketing you know these last uh, I think 12 13 games where they've only picked up one loss and you mentioned Queens they beat Queens in the regular season by quite a lot as you brought up 64 to 32 was the final score of one of those games and then they ended up seeing Queens in the championship game again tell me how that game went and how they came out with the win in that one well I think it was it was a little bit similar to uh, to how all their games go across the season, um, except they had a stronger first quarter. Um, and that was a little bit of a surprise. You know, if you follow this team long enough, you know that they are a second half team, right? They don't start games particularly well. But in that Queens game in, uh, for the Cretelli Cup, they looked very confident, right? This is the third time they're playing the team already. Uh, in the regular season, they had split the series one and one. Ravens dominated uh the previous matchup, you know, beating them 64 to 32. So they had confidence coming into that match and they had something to to really compete for. Um, but Danny Sinclair said, she said, we felt good in that first quarter. I haven't heard her say that much all season. That might be the first time I've actually ever heard her say that this year. You know, we felt good in that first quarter. And it wasn't bad at all. It, it, they, I thought they actually looked slow compared to how you see them at their best but it was better it was a better start than than most games they've seen and that just continued the momentum you know into the third into the fourth and um you know they just you could see that they really wanted that they really wanted that win right um even though it, it was only OUA uh, finals but it meant a lot to them just because they're going to nationals you know wasn't enough they wanted to to win everything uh to to clear the board um and that's what they did it's interesting to hear you talk about the OUA final in that way because for the men's side of things, it did not go well. They lost to U Ottawa by 22 points. Um, and then we get to Nationals weekend and we hear Carlton's head coach, Taffy Charles, talking about how that win kind of saved them. You know, he said not quite a wake-up call, but it was a way for them to learn a big lesson. And of course, Carlton won their first game on Friday against the UQAM Citadens. Um, by two points, it was a very narrow win. The game came down to the ball being in the Citadens' hand. They lost a three-point shot. It didn't sink, and Carlton ended up winning that game. But then you set up a semifinal clash between New Ottawa and Carlton, and 
Carlton just kind of blows you out of, out of the water. The final score was a six-point difference for the men's, but it didn't really feel like that. Carlton got off to a really hard start, and it felt like it was in their hands the entire time. And part of what Taffy Charles credited that to was the loss in the OUA finals. And he said, you know, during the course of a season, there are sometimes good times to lose, and there are bad times to lose. And the OUA final, he said, is the best time to lose. With my experience, it's, it's when you lose is the problem, not not if you lose. You know, there's, there's, there's great table times to lose. And to be honest with you, the OUA final, if you're going to the Nationals, is actually probably one of the best ways to, to lose. So I find that interesting that the women, you know, won the Crotelli Cup, they won the OUA final, um, and that kind of proved as momentum for them to take into the championship game, the gold medal game of U Sports against Queens again versus Carlton, the men's side of things, losing the OUA final to U Ottawa and then ending up beating U Ottawa in the national semifinal. And it's interesting to see how those two things play out. Well, I, th I think we've got to be honest, right? We we have to understand that, you know, there's politics behind it and that coaches are going to spin things for their favor, right? As coaches should do, right? Your, your goal is not to lose, right? You have to take the result, right? Especially when there's more to play for after the OUA final. You have to take the result, whatever it is, and use it as momentum. And I think this kind of shows, I guess, the flexibility within the Ravens program, how they can just get the overall result of a U Sports championship no matter what, right? They Both teams took very different paths uh, to get here in a sense, right? Um, with the women's winning the Fratelli Cup final, using that as momentum, knowing that they could beat Queen's um, three times in a row, by the way, it's generally really hard to beat a team three times in a row. I spoke to um, uh, Carly Clark, uh, the TMU Bold head coach for the women's basketball team, who's doing the play-by-play -play, uh, for the final in Cape Breton. And she said, yeah, you know, it's very hard to beat a team three times in a row, right? That's her. She felt like if Queens got uh, strong performances from, you know, a few of their players to step up, that it would be their game and partially because of how hard it is to beat a team three times in a row. But when I spoke to Ravensford and McKeesenkamp, she said that for, for her, she was thinking about it, but she never really let it bother her, right? She said she felt like other players were thinking about, wow, can you really beat a team three times in a row, right? That was in their mind. But for her, she said, because we had seen them, like this the fourth time we'd seen them this season, we didn't feel like we were gonna get anything new, right? So her mindset was like, if we've already beat them twice, we know how they're going to play so we can beat them the third time. And <laughs> clearly, clearly it worked. Like they went out there and and coming into that third quarter, it was like, oh, the Ravens are the better team. And it's like they knew that and they played that way and just completely swung the, the momentum of the game. Yeah, it's interesting hearing that because part of the thing that we were talking about after the OUA finals was... You know, it's very hard to beat a team three times in a row. Carlton had beat U Ottawa twice on the men's side of things in the regular season. So U Ottawa got the better of them in the OUA final. And it was interesting seeing how that played out in the national semifinal between U Ottawa and Carlton because U Ottawa's head coach, James Darwin, said, you know, in the OUA final, what we did really well was playing with intensity for all 40 minutes. When we play against Carlton, you know, they're known for being able to sort of their discipline you know is, is something that they are have been known for during their run um, and we tend to waver off our game plan for 
these small, maybe four or five minute stretches that end up costing us the game. And in terms of sticking to the game plan, staying disciplined and locked in, that's the key to beating them because they're not going to waver. So we have to match that. You saw right at the beginning, I mean, I think it was an 11-2 start that Carlton got out to above U Ottawa, and that's ultimately what it came down to is that run where U Ottawa fell apart and Carlton could take advantage of it. Um, I do want to talk about the championship game on the men's side of things because Carlton played the St. Francis Xavier X-Men in what some people are calling the greatest U sports game of all time. It went to double overtime. It was a 109 to 104 win for Carlton. It's the first U sports gold medal game on the men's side of things to go to double overtime in U sports history. It is the highest scoring championship game in men's U sports history. And to be in that environment with almost 10,000 fans at the Scotiabank Center in downtown Halifax was wild. I don't know how many highlights you may have seen from that, Jaden, but uh, some of those plays that were being made in the final minutes, we got a three-pointer from Aiden Warnholtz where he kind of collapses, he falls as he's shooting it, and somehow it goes in to tie the game 82-82. Yeah, he ties the game 82-82 at the end of regulation, and then we get another three-pointer on St. FX side of things to tie the game, to send it to double OT. Um, it was just a wild, wild environment. And to have that playing out at the same time as we have the women's game playing out, and we see the result of the women's game come in with about three, four minutes left in regulation of the men's game, and now it's Carlton's time, right? We have been talking about this stat first time since 1985. We knew it was a possibility, and so... We see the women's result, and then we're waiting to see what happens to the men's. And it takes, you know, 20, 30 minutes to get to the end of double OT. But once they do, we get that historic result. So to see those things playing out at the same time, and obviously so much of the energy and the atmosphere that was in Scotiabank Center at the time, um, wild. You couldn't draw it up any better for you, sports. No, you really couldn't. Um, but see, there's something to be said about that, right? As much as as crazy as as this ending was that no one could have written, no one could have predicted, uh, it has to face its criticism, right? Why are both of these games being played at the same time, right? You split the fan base for for Carlton Ravens, right? Who who have to um <laughs> to almost pick and choose in, in some cases which game they're going to watch. Um, but I, I will say this: now I I spoke to some fans when I got back here on Monday, um, some of uh, the ones who are really really into these games and, and some of them had said that they had a watch party and actually uh streamed both games at the same time <laughs> on their laptop to to just you know support both teams as, as much as they can but should they really have to do that right like why do we have why are we in a situation where you know these games can't be staggered so as a Carlton Raven fan you can watch actually scratch that not even as a Carlton Raven fan, as a U sports basketball fan, you should be able to watch both games uh, at the same time, especially in the, in the championship final. It's not like, like this is the match on both sides of things um, to grow this sport, to, to support these, these players and, and just to support everything that goes into it. Uh, it's a shame that you have to give people, you know, with put people in a situation where they have to choose A or B. Um, but you no, know, regardless of that, it, it 
<laughs> I say that, but the way things play out is still just as crazy uh, when you think about it. So you can pick and choose. There's pros and cons and, and things to say, but you know, I think these are conversations that need to be had. Yeah. The decision to schedule them for the same time got a lot of blowback on social media, I know. And after the game, we asked Carlton head coach Taffy Charles, um, our colleague from 49 Sports, Thomas Scott, asked Taffy, you know, what do you make of the decision to schedule these at the same time? And his answer was, that's not my job. <laughs> that's my thought. <laughs> but yeah, it is kind of questionable to see them scheduled at the same time. Um, and I'm sure after the blowback that they got, U Sports will be reconsidering that for the future. But, you know, I want to talk a bit more about Taffy because this is a guy who was head coach of the women's team at Carleton for quite a few years, won a national championship with them, their last national championship in 2018, and is now champion on the men's side of things, watching the program he helped build winning the national championship in the exact same year. I, I, the only thing I regret is we missed it. Oh my God, I mean, so uh, so awesome. You know, again, especially where I came from there and just, uh, you know, building it to where you needed to build and, uh, you know, seeing it still thrive, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a huge celebration between the two teams. They're very close. Um, we're going to have a huge celebration. And again, it's nice that we can both be happy for each other. Not that we wouldn't have been, but man, oh man, it's going to be a great celebration when we get back to Carleton. Obviously, the emotions for him and for everyone involved with Carleton's program, I mean, I mean, Director of Basketball Operations Dave Smart and Athletics Director Jennifer Brenning to see the accomplishments on both sides for Carleton to, to get this historic accomplishment. Um, you can tell it means a lot to the school, um, and I think it really solidifies Carleton's standing as a top basketball school. I don't know if that was really up for debate before, but to have this happen at the same time, I think opens a lot of eyes to, I guess, just how far ahead Carleton is over a lot of other schools and a lot of other basketball programs. Well, I think this this entire season on both men's and women's side has uh, pointed out one thing to all critics, to all journalists, to everyone watching is it's not how a school or a program struggles, because I think in reality, especially with the growing competition uh, in the OUA and within new sports, every program will struggle, um, not just in periods of time over the years, like within seasons, there will be moments of struggle for every program. What matters is when they come and how the program, you know, perseveres through it. On the men's basketball side of things, they struggled uh, in August, <laughs> they struggled in, in November, uh, and they struggled beginning of January, that trip to Toronto. But they've turned things around and they persevered through it when everyone said, you know, this doesn't look like the same Ravens team. This doesn't look like the number one school. They fell the num number one U Sports ranking. You know, everything was stacked against them. But look how they persevered, right? The women's same thing, like going on that, what, 10, 10 plus game undefeated stretch to start January, right? To climb, literally climb their way to a championship uh, game by game. Um, yeah, like they have, they have not lost since the that U Ottawa matchup in February. Right. No, no OUA loss, no OUA uh, playoff losses, no U Sports uh, playoff losses. Right. This is a team that has persevered through that difficult, through through that difficult uh, loss against Uado and a, a relatively, uh, a relatively um, mediocre start for their expectations in, in the first half of the season. Right. 
Um, so these programs have faced their their struggles, but they've gone through it and they've gone through it and become championships um, and then become champions. I think that is what, at the end of the day, makes the Carlton Ravens basketball program, men's and women's, superior to other superior to other ones. It's how they get through their problems and get the job done. Yeah, and part of, I guess, my biggest question moving forward for both of these programs is, I, I mean, especially for the men's side, because that's what I'm more familiar with, having covered them. But if you can't beat them this year, when can you beat them? Like, I know they've lost three championships over the last 20 seasons, but this year was definitely an inflection point. It was kind of a, a low in terms of Carlton dominance. And we saw that just in terms of the loss total. But if a team like this can make it through and win the national championship, if they can lose four regular season games for the first time since 2000, if they can struggle the way they did in the preseason, if they can lose some of their stars like Lloyd Pandy, who was U Sports Player of the Year, like Elaine Louis, who was a tournament MVP last season at Nationals. They can lose Biniam Gabrekinen, who was one of their premier starters, and they can also lose some of their more back-of-the-line guys like Cordell Vieira. If they can lose all these players and struggle the way they did and still make it to a national championship and still win a national championship, I don't know how you beat them. I don't know if, you know, if a team can't beat them this year, I don't know when a team will. And I know like it happens, it's going to happen. They're not going to win every championship for the rest of eternity. But if this is a weak point, potentially the weakest we've seen the team, the most vulnerable we've seen the team over the last 20 years, and they still win a national championship like this. I don't know. It's hard to see an end to this. And I guess that's my final question to you is, what do you see as the weak point to this? How does this end? Does it ever end? This dynasty is getting a bit ridiculous at this point. I don't know. You said they won't win every championship. I don't, I'm not even too <laughs> sure about that anymore. I mean, I really thought if there was a year when this program has fallen, it was this year, right? Like, you don't even have to be a sports journalist. You just have to look at the results, look at the numbers, right? Look at the defeats, who they were losing to. Right. Look at the the way they lost to the NCAA teams in August to to how other programs lost to NCAA teams. You would have thought, oh, this is a team that is fifth or sixth in OUA, not even let alone the country in OUA, just based off the numbers. But and this is the funny thing that I think the biggest thing I took away from uh this my trip, my experience with covering the the Ravens team, is Danny Sinclair says coming to Carlton and working with the basketball program and working with uh, Dave Smart, it's about maybe ten to fifteen percent basketball tactics. The rest of it is navigating relationships. How can you get the best out of the, your players? Right, get the best out of the people on the court when you need it. And I think that is what they do better than anything is they know how to put five people on the court and how to get 90 to hundred percent in the most crucial moments of a basketball game to crawl out wins. Danny Sinclair said this, this weekend that when I asked her, you know, do you think that your team is the best, is you no know, ranked number one in the country? And she was like, I've been coaching long enough to know that to win this championship, you don't need to be the best in the country. You just need to be the best on the weekend. And I think that is what 
this Ravens team has done and continue to do is that maybe if you look like player for player, they might be a lot weaker than other teams. Uh, They might not be as physical as other teams. But when it comes down to the final moments, they know how to get 95% plus out of their players to win games when other teams can barely scrape 70. Yeah, and I think part of how you explain it as well is just the experience level for a lot of these guys and a lot of these women who are playing because Carlton has been on this stage so many times before. On the men's side of things, they've been there every single year. They've played in the national semifinal every single year since 2003. On the women's side of things, they've made three trips to nationals in the last five years. They won in 2018. They made it there in 2020 with the automatic bid. And then they, of course, win it this past season. The experience level is unparalleled for these teams. And, you know, just on the men's side of things, you're talking about them playing in the final in that double OT game against St. FX. St. FX hasn't won a national championship since 2001. The last time they were even in nationals was about 10 years ago, I think. So the experience level, the comfort level in these huge games, I think is dramatically different. And especially for the coaches who know exactly what they're doing in these situations. And, you know, you talk about Danny Sinclair getting the most out of players. You talk about Taffy Charles getting the most out of his players. They know how to do it at this level and they know how to do it in these big games. And I think that's part of what set this program apart is just the experience level. And that's something that you can't get unless you're there. And as long as Carlton keeps winning, no other team is going to be able to get it. So I don't know. I don't know when this ends. If this ends, it's unbelievable. There's some magic going on that is indescribable. And, you know, part of me tries to justify it with the experience. And then part of me is just mind boggled by, you know, watching that Aiden Warnold's three-pointer. That it defies logic. There's no explanation for something like that to happen. And then even going back to last year, Alberta, the Nationals for the men's side of things, Watching the semifinal against Alberta, it was a game Carlton probably should have lost. And Taffy Charles has said, uh, you know, along the same lines as that. Alberta had two free throws in the last 13 seconds, I think it was. And then they had a shot that went up from, I believe it was Adam Page on their team that kind of bounced around the rim and it should have bounced in, but it bounced out. That was a game Carlton won by one point. And if any of those shots had gone in, they would have lost. Some of these things just defy logic. Some of it is just magic. It's unbelievable how Carlton has been able to do this over the last you know, two decades for the men's side of things, a dominant stretch for the women's side of things, and for the first time in nearly 40 years, both the men's and women's championship coming from the same school. It's an unbelievable past weekend for the Ravens, and I'm curious whether you have any final thoughts on the unbelievably unbelievability of all of this, how it baffles both of us, how it baffles everyone, how it defies logic. Yeah. Um, to win a basketball game, you need luck. And for several times in crucial moments in championship games for the Ravens, they've had that luck, right? That Adam Page miss, the Aiden Warnholtz three, right? No, not to take away from any of their skill at all, but it is a little bit of a, a hidden hope, right? Throw it up in hope. Right, you do everything you can, but at the end of the day, you need a little bit of luck to come on and play on your side. I'm curious to see what happens when the luck starts to fall out of favor with the Ravens will and it turns ever against them. Run out. I mean, I feel like it always will, but that's not to say that if the luck is against the Ravens, that they will still fall. 
I I just don't think there's anything there to say that. I think it's it would be unfair seeing what they've conquered this season to say that, you know, when the luck starts, when the bounce doesn't fall their way, um, that they won't be able to to you know to go through it. I don't think that's fair to say. I think you really, really have to look at when the bounces uh when the shots stop falling, right? When you don't get what you need uh, from the luck side of things, I think they could still find a way to turn around. And then, um, and then, then you can say, no, it's it's not just luck. You need luck and a lot of skill to 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 beat this team. Yeah, I think it's unfair to call luck with the Ravens, though. The amount of times I that mean, they've done this, <sighs> the amount of big games that they've won. It's. I think it, it's, it's like too simple to call it luck. It's. It's more than it, luck. No, it's skill. It's, it's. It is. It is. It is. You're right. It's a lot of skill, and that's why I said I'm not taking away anything from that shot. Shot from in Warholz because you still need a lot of skill to you know to just get the shot off without even traveling. Like he took that from such a difficult position, but there is luck involved in that. Like there's no way he's practicing that type of shot with you no know, every day. Like it was. It was like I'm going to try and just finish this with the best that I can. And maybe it's 90% skill. Without that 10% luck, I don't think that shot falls. It's funny because he said it was a lot of luck on that shot when we asked him about him after the game. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of off-baked. I was going to get the foul on the step through, but it's a bit of a lucky one, I can't lie. But I mean, I'm glad it went in. Well, there you go. There you go. I didn't hear that. It baffles explanation, and we'll see where the Carlton Ravens end up next season. But um, at the conclusion of this season, we're trying to wrap our minds around how this happened, and we can't. It's impossible to wrap your mind around. It is an incredible accomplishment for the school, for the program, for the players, and for the teams. Um, and we'll wait and see. Very excited for next season and see how it shakes out. Jaden, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Charlatan Live. You can find all of our coverage from nationals and beyond on charlatan.ca. We acknowledge that we're living, working, and operating on the traditional and unceded territory of the Algonquin Nation. As settlers on this land, we're committed to prioritizing Indigenous voices and learning how we can support the ongoing movement towards decolonization and anti-racism. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Colley. We'll catch you next time.